Father, this morning we come to you, another day in the land of the living. What a gift, what a privilege, especially in these days our eyes are opened, Lord. For those who are saved, it's one more day to prepare, to fight that good fight of faith, to continue and finish that race. To those who are not saved, it's an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, to make sure that you are saved. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Is a question the apostle makes. So you have given us one more day, Lord. It's the greatest gift we have today, the gift of life. And I pray as we are here together and online around the world listening, you will speak to us. Come at this time, this day, into thy hands. Be with us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So this morning I heard, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, it Actually, this is the thing that irritates my throat. The AC is off, I'm good. Okay, so this morning I... I had read after my devotions, everything I had read and later, without permission, I am saying this joke, okay? Later, when my wife woke up and I was sitting with her, I said, honey, do you know what I read today? She said, what? I said, this man went to his doctor and was not well, doctor. The doctor said, <coughs> spell the word diet. So he said, D-I-E, the doctor said, stop, choose, you want to die or do you want diet? <laughs> so I told my wife, choose this day whom you shall serve, <laughs> die or diet. She said, diet. <laughs> so I made her breakfast with very little sugar and she relished it. Because some you have, sometimes you have to put these things before people, before eyes are open. So, <laughs> she was you know, saying Malkreans from there. I can hear it in my spirit. <laughs> okay, so here we are this morning. The text for today is from Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Probably, at least as far as I know, know, the most successful servant of God, okay, in probably one day we'll realize in human history, as far recorded biblical history, is a man called Paul. Okay? If you look at him, and that has to be the reason why scripture was written practically by him. Practically by him alone. Most successful man. In the world, we study stories about, read biographies of successful men. <laughs> okay, successful men. How did they become successful? And they will all write their books and sell it. And you try it, nobody becomes successful. <laughs> okay. Some do, but you know, all these books are there. <coughs> so there is this man, the Apostle Paul. If you look at the 12 or 13, Episodes he has written, if you include Hebrews too, we are not sure. If the what is his secret? Why was he so successful? I mean, in his time, 
like Jesus' time and in Moses' time. They were not considered successful. But now in hindsight, we know who are in the kingdom of God. Boy, these are the successful people. Okay, Jesus, of course, is a, is a completely class apart. So if you ask this question, <coughs> why was he so successful? Apostle Paul, for all the epistles you have written, give me the clue. Why were you so successful? Give me the secret. Because we don't want to read all the 13 epistles. Today's people have no time. Because you are so busier than God. God has time. People have no time. Okay. So you, can you give us one tip? Which is the most? Why were you successful? I would narrow down to this verse. Okay. This one verse. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Okay. We'll leave that aside. But for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed to him until the day. If there is one verse in all the epistles he has written that sums up his entire life journey, the reason why he's so successful is this one verse. Okay. For I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now you need to look at the context from where he's writing. He's lying in a prison. Okay, he's lying in a prison. He's not a free man. He's lying in a prison. This is his last epistle. In a very short while, we don't know exactly. He'll be executed. He'll be dead. He's gone. Okay, he's not looking at liberty. He's looking at execution. He's not looking back at his life and said, I built this huge empire. That's not what he's saying. He's saying all of Asia has abandoned me. Nobody searched for me. Only one guy called Ephaphroditus abandoned. Okay. Everybody is far away. Dimas, who worked with me so long, has loved the world. So he's not looking at any of these things. Yet he says, as I go through, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Why are you not ashamed, Paul? He'll say, you know what? For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I know whom I have believed. Hebrews 11, verse 6. One of the most powerful statements God makes about faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who is him? God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's the first thing. We have to believe that he is. We have to believe that he is. And that's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One of the, the most important state, one of the most important statements about faith. Anybody who comes to God must believe that he is. And if you're coming to God today, okay, if you're coming to God today, you must believe that he is. That he's really there. He's a person. He's really there with you. He's listening to you. He hears you. He's with you. He loves you. He won't abandon you. He may punish you. I'm sorry, discipline you, but he will never let go of all the things about God. You must believe that he is what he says he is. Okay. And if you keep that over there, and then when you look at what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. For I know whom I have believed. What is he saying? He's not saying I know when I believed. He's not saying what I believed. He's not saying where I believed. He's got to answer for all this. But that's not what he's saying. He knows, I know when I believed. That year, which month, which day. 
Most people can say, who been genuinely born again? No, exactly. I can say where. There's a hostel room in Maribyrnus Hostel in Tivandrum. Okay, I know where, right? But that's not the question. That is not the statement he makes. The statement he makes is, I know whom I have believed. No, I mean, if you actually ask Christians, you will say, are you going to heaven? Why? Uh, because I go to this church. I was baptized by this person. Some people will say I was baptized in River Jordan in, in Israel. Okay. And I regularly go to church. I pay my tithes. I have attended every meeting. No, you are saying what you have believed. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying any of these things. If you were to make his statements of what all he has believed and what, I mean, that is from where we get our statements. He's not saying any of those things. What he's saying, I know whom I have believed. And this is very important. You know why? Because all other religions are based on moral, ethical, all codes, rules. Only Christianity is based on a person. Only Christianity is based on a person. There's a huge difference between everything else. All paths are not the same. Okay? If you go and ask a Buddhist, he will tell you what he believes. He's believing in the teachings of Buddha. If you ask a Muslim, he will tell you what he believes. He doesn't know Allah. Allah cannot be known. But he will tell you what are the teachings of Muhammad. He's not believing in Muhammad. He's believing in the teachings of Muhammad. If you ask a Hindu, he will tell you what, if he's a practicing Hindu, he will tell you what he believes, which text he reads. So they have different texts, and they have. I mean, if you look at the gods they believe, but most of the gods they believe don't have teachings. They don't have teachings. What do they teach? They don't teach anything. But the teachings are in certain scriptures. So when they talk about they say, this is what we believe. So the person in that religions don't make any difference. It is the teachings. But that's not what Christianity is. Okay. And when life looks like it is in most parts of the world, and for Paul words, lying in a dungeon, in a Roman prison, it's dark, the lid is down, you don't know whether you're ever going to come out. The rumor says you're going to be executed. A madman is sitting on the throne called Nero. Everything is shut. Or you are like Joseph, shut in a dungeon in Egypt. There are setters on your neck and chains on your feet. Yet you know whom you have believed. When you are in those situations, let me tell you, when you are shut up and locked up and chained in whatever situation, physically or otherwise, all your moral codes and ethical codes and righteous codes is not going to work. You need a person. You need a person. Okay. I've lived a righteous life. Say that to the jailer. I've led the most moral life possible. Irrelevant. What you need is a person. And that's what Jesus is. So salvation is not believing in these things. Salvation is believing in a person. And only that person can give you peace, joy, strength in your darkest moments. 
even when nothing looks everything looks dark everything looks bleak the person is there the person of christ is there that's why jesus statements are stunning people even non believers when they read the bible actually the searching they read more carefully than we read the statements he makes he says i am your peace i am your peace i am your joy i am your strength okay i am your strength well religions will teach you what you all you must do to have some kind of peace what all you must do to have joy what all you must do to be strengthened but that's not what god says he comes and says whom have you believed because who you believe comes before what you believe what you believe and people don't realize that that's why jesus asked this question who do people say that i am some said elijah some said jeremiah some said john the baptist and he asked who do you believe that you believe that i am it's a question jesus didn't ask his disciples what do you think about my teachings no he's been teaching them for years he didn't ask them what do you think about my teachings peter do you like it how would you grade me feedback never asked never asked those questions he asked this question is that who do you say that i am because if you don't get that answer right what i say does not make any difference does not make any difference you need to understand that's not how other religions work okay nobody talks about buddha abandoning his wife his children leaving his throne leaving his responsibilities and going in search of something and finding it under a tree nobody questions that because his life is irrelevant to his teachings the teachings that people pick nobody talks about how many times muhammad married and if the last wife was young child nobody talks about all that things is irrelevant what they look at is that his teachings christ is not that what matters is the person is the person who do you say that i am that is why the bible is so unique so unbelievably unique you open the bible genesis 11 it is not what it is who the bible begins with a statement of who in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth it is not what you believe when you open the bible matters it is who you believe that matters if you believe in the right person the what will be explained otherwise you will be always searching for the what and never find the who when the bible begins it doesn't begin with an explanation of anything it begins with who began everything in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and if you come to john chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 the apostle john receives a revelation and he comes and says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him without him nothing was made that was made in verse 3 yeah that's verse 3 you see that in the beginning god created heaven and earth and john comes and says you know who created christ created god created everything through him for him by him everything was for him so it is who that matters 
We are going into investing billions and billions and billions in science to understand creation. The wise man will get in the Bible and try to understand the creator. Because it is not what he did what matters, it is who he did. As long as you do not know who, you are just wasting your money exploring all this space. When you go to him, he will explain it all very easily. And that's what Hebrews 11, 1 to 3 says. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. We don't have to explore space, it is here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, (coughs) for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. What is verse 3? By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were are seen were not made of things which are visible. As simple, as simple. It's by faith. Let me ask you this question. When the Bible is writ- uh, being written, when the Bible is being written, do you know when the Bible is written? How far Bible is ahead of science? Yeah, the current VP of US made a statement. Finally, science has returned to the White House. She should add the other statement also. God has left the White House and science has gotten. Okay? So the only incomplete statement. Okay? Incomplete statement. Okay? Let me ask you this question. In Genesis chapter 15, you don't have to go there, when Abraham is taken outside and asked to look up and says, can you count the stars? He said, no. He says, your children will be like that, with the stars in the sky and the sand on the earth. If you go parallelly into maybe around that time or little after, little after, the greatest scientist of around that period is an Egyptian or a Greek scientist called Ptolemy. And do you know what he said? He said there are around 1,500 stars. Now let me tell you, who is right, Genesis 15 or Ptolemy the scientist? Without a single telescope, without anything, the word of God says the stars in the sky are like the sands on the earth. Uncountable. Okay? The word of God is far, far, far. And we are wasting our time. We should study, we should research, we should do all things. But if it's at the neglect of this, you're wasting your, your life. You're wasting your time. So it is not what you know that matter. We say in common parlance, it's not what you know, it's who you know that matters. Okay? In this world, we understand that. If you want things done, it is not what you know, it is who you know. I'm telling you, in eternity, you will see the only thing that will matter is not what you know. It is who you know. Who you believe changes everything. Because when you question most Christians, their answer is what they believe. And it is not changing them. Theologically, they are sound. Practically, they are unsound. You know why? Because their faith is not based on who they believe. Their faith is based on what they believe. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say by the end of 2 Timothy, Timothy, I want you to know that of the exceedingly great revelations I have received, I have written all the scriptures. I will tell you what I believe. He doesn't say any of those things. One statement, I know whom I have believed. And because of whom I believed, I am telling you what I believe is written in all these letters. So the question is, what do we, who do we believe? That is why salvation is 
very it's so simple put in one line that jesus jesus christ died on the cross he was buried and he was raised up on the third day if you believe you are saved it's a stunning statement it doesn't talk about anything else you have to read genesis 1 regularly you have to doesn't say any of those things it is if you believe this jesus christ was the son of god he came lived he died on the cross he was buried he was raised up on the third day along with he understand that he died for my sins my sins on him i repent that part you understand but if you believe on that if you believe on who he is that he is who he says he is you are saved you are saved from there begins everything so you ask me a question why do you believe why do you believe in the book of genesis you know why you believe in the book of genesis because jesus believed in the book of genesis not because i don't need all the archaeological evidence and all this thing. i don't need anything you know what jesus said in the beginning so if i believe him in and because if he believed in genesis i believe in genesis see we are going it the wrong way we are trying to find evidence to prove genesis right see lot of people we all went that route for some time but lot of people who resolved the question was that we didn't go outside we went to the person and once we knew the person was true everything person said also became true we don't need any any more evidence we don't need any more evidence i believe in jesus and that changed my life he came he's a real person if the person is real then everything he says he believed it is also real and i know jesus believed in genesis i do have no doubt whether it is creation or evolution why because jesus said i believe in creation i am the creator and i believe in creation because i created okay why do we study the old testament because jesus believed in the old testament he said it is scripture and he said scripture cannot be broken and if he said it i believe in the old testament you know if you if you really really want to shore up the faith you have to focus on the person and then go back you no know, because these are all situations because you and i we have q and a today evening and all those who are listening if you have questions send questions but we have all these questions right uh what do you say uh, pastor what do you say about marriage last week we had a question on marriage what do you say about divorce what do you say about homosexuality you see now when a q and a we believe those are believers answering so we give them scriptural answer but if you were to meet me on the road and say what do you believe what marriage my question to you is do you believe in jesus do you believe in me jesus so what is your opinion about homosexuality do you believe in jesus that's that's the first thing do you believe in jesus if you believe in jesus i will tell you what i think about marriage because what i think about marriage is what he thinks about marriage if you believe in jesus i will tell you what i think about homosexuality what i think about homosexuality is what he said about homosexuality 
See, when you are not clear about the person, it doesn't matter making arguments and debates. We are not here to debate. We are not here to debate. So many of our issues are not settled in our life is because we are still pursuing with this agenda, this is what I have believed, not in whom I have believed. And faith is about the person of God. Who do you believe is the question. In John chapter 11 and verse 40, this is what Jesus tells Martha. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? What is Jesus saying? Martha, the who comes before the what? You are asking about the what? I'm telling you about the who. What doesn't come first? Who comes first? Who comes first? Okay. People have all this, so many questions. It's very difficult to convince people about the questions they have until their faith is centered on the who. What happens after that? That's not the question. Have you believed in him? Then it's very easy to answer. It is the who. In verses 24 and 27, 24 to 27, especially verse 26, okay, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am. He doesn't say, I will resurrect him. That is the what. What he will do. That's not what he's saying. He's saying who he is. That is why this is important. Who he is. If Christ is risen from the dead, I will rise from the dead. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So it's all centered on the person. Verse 26. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It is entirely centered on the person. Not his teachings. It's not his teachings. The teachings comes follow. If you have not believed in the who, it doesn't matter how much you know the what. It is just theory. Just theory. It's like going to a classroom, learning a subject, writing the exam, passing it, and coming out and forgetting the subject. And that's true about all of us. I don't remember most of my math. I don't remember most of my physics. I don't remember most of my chemistry or biology. I wrote, passed, Got good marks and forgot. You know why? It was never based on a person. But the things of the Bible, so different matter altogether. You know why? Because it was the person first. It was the person first. And therefore, the what followed the who. So the who comes before the what. And the what comes after the who. Once you're clear about who you believe, you know, then you can settle what you will believe. A lot of people are not. You know why Christians are so many? You no, know, they keep on changing some, changing their theology. Why the church is in a mess? 
why they keep on changing their theology is because most of the people who change the theology are still not sure who they believe. They, re- they really never encountered the person. They really do not know the person. Because if you know the person, your theology will be solid. Because you go into the word of God and you will realize, this is what he says. And that's what I believe. Why? Because I know the person. I know the person. Okay. And you read the book of Philippians and you will see Paul's entire life goal was to know God. I want to know him. I want to know him. Okay. I want to know him. The end of his life, he's talking about, you know what? I know in whom I have believed. Go back. Second thing. I know whom I have believed. Let me look at my notes on my iPhone too. Because I am also becoming a slightly app-based man. Second one. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Can I go to KJV? Is that KJV and KJV, right? Yeah, let's have okay. KJV also uses that same word, okay? Oh, not Elijah. We don't want fire coming down now. <laughs> and I am, yeah, you can use KJV and KJV. I am persuaded. What has persuaded me? Fully convinced. Yeah, I'm fully convinced. And I am convinced. I am persuaded. Okay. The second thing you need to ask is that, okay, I believe in this person. Internet failure? Back. See, the question is, if I ask here, all who believe in Jesus, raise your hand. Everybody raise their hand. Let me ask you a question. Are you fully persuaded? Are you persuaded? Are you convinced? That's why we don't all believe the same way. Romans 14.5 One person esteems one day about others. Another esteems every day alike. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Are you fully convinced? Yeah, we'll use NKJV, okay? Are we fully convinced? Are you fully persuaded? Hebrews 11.13 This all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them far off, were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They did not receive anything while they were living. And they lived like strangers and pilgrims and died in faith. But they were assured. They were persuaded. They were fully convinced. See, the way you live, the way you live will show you whether you are fully persuaded or not. Sometimes, you know, we, we get, uh, what do you call it? We get agitated from the pulpit. Sometimes we get agitated from the pulpit. You know, it's like Moses. 
and Paul. If you look in Moses, you will see that. Moses is getting frustrated. He's not, he's, who is he frustrated with? He's frustrated with the people. Finally he says, why did you put this burden on me? Did I birth them? The question is, the problem is not feeding them or anything. The problem is, how do I take these people from here to there? They are not interested. And Paul's struggle is also that I have to come back and again go back to labor of childbirth. I thought you would be teachers by now. I realize I have to go back to delivery stage. I want to present you as pure virgins, but you are so carnal. Love not the world. Do not love the things of the world. The struggle of ministry is to get people to believe in him and believe in what he has said, who and the what. The struggle, the pressure. See, people like Paul, Moses and Lord, I'm not putting myself in that category, okay? But at every level we experience the same thing. We are not worried about the powers of darkness we fight. The pressure is not that. We are not, the pressure also is not the system that opposes us. The pressure is from the church. How to get these people moving with God and take your eyes off the world, keep your eyes on Jesus. That is the struggle. Like this, this is like the old story, the Hindu story, you know, about the man sat, his wife was very interested in Ramayana. So when she started telling the story, she was, so he sat through the night and told her the whole story. And in the morning, <laughs> she's asking, who is Sita? <laughs> no? It's the same thing. After one Sunday and two Sundays and Wednesday meetings and Saturday meetings and then seven days meeting and six days meeting and fasting and prayer and all, at the end of the day, it is back to the world. And we feel like asking the prophet does, what is crooked? Can it be made straighter? <laughs> Lord, is this person really born again or is he born crooked? You know, you understand the pressure? The pressure is not about the world. The pressure is not about the powers of darkness because we stand when we know who it is and we believe what he has said. By faith you overcome the world. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even. So that's not that issue. The issue is how to take the sheep across. Like I got a beautiful video, I think it was Sapna who sent it to this man. The sheep has gone into the crack and he pulls it out and releases it. It goes back and falls into the next crack. Okay. Now think about it. The crack is the world. Crack is the world. And this is the question that has been asking. Are you fully persuaded? Absolutely sure? Here? No, here? Are you fully persuaded? Romans 4, verse 20 to 21. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. And was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Fully convinced. You know, it took 25 years for God to make Abraham 
fully convinced in this one matter. You tried many shortcuts. Fully persuaded. He strengthened in faith. That's the key. Our faith has to be strengthened so that we are fully convinced. You know? When I look at all this, all the news that I'm hearing, I know it's, it's, it's sad. One of the persons I know, I mean, we know, he's not, um, he's not a Christian, he's a Hindu. He's eight, he's got COVID, he's in the hospital, and his eight-year-old daughter died yesterday of COVID. Calling and crying. Okay? But what happens is, it's heartbreaking, eight-year-old, and the father is not even able to go for the cremation. Okay? Eight-year-old is somebody who's right here. Further down the road, Suchitra. Okay. And thing it gives us an opportunity to pray. You know, one thing about uh, my home in Bhavanpalli is that I think we are the only believers over there. There are a few Christians otherwise. But the entire colony knows my wife prays. So now when this tragedy is taking place and people are losing loved, loved ones, there are people coming at the gate crying. And they're Hindus. They're not Christians. And asking to pray for them. We know, no, we know this is a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. Please pray. And this gentleman also weeping on the phone says, please pray. You know, you realize when tragedy comes, it does not matter what you believe. Only thing that matters is who you believe. Who you believe. When death knocks at the door, disaster happens. Things go out of hand. Everything collapses in front of you. People go through. You know, people go through divorce. People go through financial calamity. Lose jobs. Death takes place. You know, in the middle of it all, the only thing that will matter at that point is not what you know. It is who you know. And that's the story of the Bible. Abraham was fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Joseph was fully persuaded. I mean, would you think about a young, let us say, 18, 19, 20, what we call red-blooded young youth guy. He's getting an opportunity to sleep with a married woman and he's in, actually a slave and he says, no, I know whom I have believed. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Right? Or another old man like Job in one day loses everything. Who has gone through what Job had? One day. Everybody has gone through what he has gone through. Many have. But not like the way he went. In one day, one day richest man, next man beggar. Everything is gone. All is gone. Wealth is gone. Children are gone. And yet, at that hour, he is able to stand, not because of what he has believed, but whom he has believed. He says, the Lord take it, give it. The Lord take it. Blessed be the name. So it says, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Fully persuaded. So he gave glory to God. The Bible says, he worshipped God. You know why people struggle? Because all around the world, people are struggling. And this is, I mean, you look at this dark hour in human history, also could be the brightest hour for the kingdom of God. If only they would know, there is a God who cares for you. God who loves you. What is the worst that can happen to you? It is death. And he comes and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even if he dies, does not die. He lives for 
ever. Our mortuaries are packed. Crematoriums are packed. Graveyards are full. Do you think all of them died with that hope? What a difference it would make when you are dying. I know whom I have believed. I know. Or you, or you are alive. But everything is falling apart. Because I've seen people go through all these things. I've seen people go through death and fall apart. And another person stands strong. I've seen people coming through divorce and going down the lane. And another one standing there strong. I've seen people lose everything they owned, fall apart. And another person stand there strong. The only difference you look at it is that one person knew whom he believed. Or she knew whom she believed. And it matters. It matters. Because when these things things happen, what you believe does not make any difference. Whom you believe makes a difference. Go to our library. Read the books of Watchman Nee. I don't believe in the last hundred years there has been ever been a revelation of God as it has been through the Chinese man, Chinese saint. 21 years in the prison. And then finally brought out and hung right there in the courtyard of the prison. But if you read what he has written, basically are all like Paul's prison letters. You know, this man knew whom he believed. Sitting there like a modern day Apostle Paul, encouraging the church. And sometimes it's so difficult to understand him, the depth of his revelation. Like Peter, we have to say, it's very difficult to understand So your situation doesn't really, really matter. What matters is whom you believe. So you have to make, we have to make sure. We know whom we have believed and we are fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded? Are you fully convinced? Romans 8, 37 to 39. Because I do, I'm not mentioning names. I do talk to people a couple of days back. I talk to I talked to somebody who I know believes, very strong believer, but I looked at the person and said, why are you so afraid? <laughs> why are you so afraid? Because pandemic has brought this fear, and it's a fear of death. Hmm? It's one thing about being careful. Okay, we need to be careful that we don't have to cast the disease unnecessarily and pass it on. That's one thing. But to be afraid of it, it's not a good thing. I can look, honestly, I can look death in the eye and say that, and I have said it. I'm not afraid. I ain't afraid. I'm not afraid. It's not because I'm so strong, because I know whom I have believed. My only thing to him is, Lord, I need to finish. And I don't know whether I've finished or not. You are the only one who knows. Lord, eternity is forever and ever. Life on earth is temporary. So let me finish. I am not Paul who knows he's finished. I am somebody who does not know where he is in the race. Where you have half a mark, three quarters, or 25%, I don't know where I am. You are the only one. So only extend accordingly. But we are not afraid. I'm telling you, we are not afraid. And we do not love our life. There are two lives. One is this life on earth. There is this life in eternity. We don't love this life. That's that should be very, very careful. There is a life we live in the world. If you love that life, you're doomed. 
you're doomed. That's when the Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. It is talking about that life. It's talking about that life. Okay. And then we become, uh, uh, what you call, a church going Christian, but practicing pagan. Because Jesus said, pagans run after these things. What is that? What to eat? What to drink? What to wear? They are. And we are not. We don't love that life. We live in this world, but we don't love that life. Because if you love that life, you will not be, you will be defeated. Why? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, and they did not love their lives, even unto death. It does not mean you will be executed. Martyrs are few, if you look at the whole number. It means you will be willing to suffer loss. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. What I love is another life. What is that life? It is eternal life. John 17. Verse 3. This is eternal life. There are two lives. See, let me tell you. What do young people or older people, they look at all these people and say, Macha, that is life. Isn't that what you say? The more you have in the world, you say, enjoy life, enjoy. What is it? Enjoy life. Let me give you that reference. I think it is Luke. I wrote it somewhere. Luke 16. No, I have to write it down because I have, I cannot remember. But it says, uh, the life does not cons, yeah. 16, 12? Yeah, 16, 12. Okay. I, I want to look at that because we have young people also here. Okay, 12, 14. No, just one verse. One verse is there. Life does not consist in the abundance of things. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. He said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. But that's what we think. We envy these people who have this abundance of things. We envy them. And God said, be careful. That's not life. So there are two lives that are being offered before us, our eyes. Two lives being offered. A very visible, tantalizing. Okay, let's use the other word also. Sexy. These are all. These are all. People don't want to dress. They want to dress sexually because it brings attention. Right? Men and women. They're not dressing for themselves. They're dressing for attention. They're dressing for attention. I know. I mean, honestly, think about how many people do you know who wake up and dress for Christ? <laughs> think about it. Lord, are you pleased with me? Holy Spirit, are you okay? Are you okay? If I go out, will you be upset? Will you be upset, oh Lord? Honestly, think about it. If they were simply saints of the God were to ask this question, there will be very little revealing of skin. And shape revealing outfits. It's simply because people are not doing things for God. It's not whom they believed. They know what they have believed. Theology is there. The Bible talks a lot about not clothes, about clothing, how to dress yourself. 
How about behavior? All these things. But those things are just theology. It doesn't change our lives because we are not fully persuaded. We are not fully persuaded. We are not fully persuaded. Okay, fully persuaded. And Paul the pastor, Pastor Paul is like laboring over and over and over again. You know what? I don't care what you wear. But I really care how I want to present you to God. You know how I want to present you to God? As a pure virgin. What does it mean? Untouched by the world. The world has no... Finally, when I present you to God, you should be like this newborn baby. Untouched by the world. Just came out of the mother's womb. Okay? First, in the same way, everything of the influences of the world has been cleansed away, wiped away, because why? You know him and you are fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. I'm not saying it happens in one day, but it should happen one day. Even if it doesn't happen in one day, it should happen one day. I am fully, this is where this man's confidence comes from. Sitting in a dungeon, awaiting execution. Look at his statement. I know whom I have believed and I am fully persuaded. The question we need to ask is, are you fully persuaded? Because we are going through a crisis around the world. We don't know when this is going to end. There is one of those reports, we don't know how true it is, that this is not, it is a five-year plan. This will end only in 2025. Until they got everybody under control. It's not going to end like, we thought it was over, right? It came with a vengeance. (laughs) And we thought it's only India, because newspaper is only reporting about India. I asked one of our doctors who's working in Germany. I said, Doctor, how is it? He said, You only don't see it in the news. It's the same here also. Because our population is so less compared to India's, it is as bad here too. And in the midst of it, let's go to Romans chapter 38, 37 to 39. It gives you an entire list. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let us go before that. Let us look at all those things. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Everything is there. Everything is there. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at this. For I am persuaded. Absolutely convinced. Are you absolutely convinced? That neither death nor life. Absolutely convinced. That's what I said. You don't look at COVID with fear. You take precautions. You don't look at COVID with fear. You don't look at the famine that is going to follow with fear. You're going to look at all these things that are going to come. You don't look at it fear. Why? You need to be fully persuaded that neither death or life. Okay, you may be a person who's facing death. The other one is having an abundance of things. That is life in this world. None of these things move me, says Paul. None of these things move me. Nor angels. Or principalities, no powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Where does his confidence come from? Because he knows whom he has believed. 
That's why we need to go check. That's why he will write this. There are these stunning lines that will pop up in his letters. Like he writes to the church in Corinthian. We thought the letter is all over, finished, and then suddenly he comes and examine yourself. Right? 13.5, if I'm right. Second Corinthians 13.5. I hope I'm right. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself? That Christ Jesus is in you. He doesn't ask them, what do you believe? That's not the question. Because you can get many people who have come out of the cemetery, sorry, seminary, you know, who can tell you what they believed. But they don't know the person who said those things. Don't know the person. Like I said, this is the problem with religion. Because we all come with this religious background. In religion, it does not matter who said what? The only matter is said, what did he say? And you follow that. What did he say? You follow the tenets of this, what he has taught. Christianity, that is secondary. It's not what Jesus taught. It's who Jesus is. So examine whether you are in the faith. What is the answer? Yes, I am in the faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. I have memorized from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation 22, 1. I can recite. No, that's not the answer. The answer is Christ is in you or not. The person. The person. Are you convinced? Are you fully persuaded? Okay. Do you know whom you have believed? Are you fully persuaded about what, in whom you have believed? Then come, go back to Timothy. 12. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I have to him. Committed. There is a commitment to a person. I have committed to him. Committed to him. Commitment to a person. Everything okay, Sami? Okay, fine. Huh? Have you committed to a person? Actually, some of the translation you will see, there is sometimes in the footnotes you will also see that it is that what I have committed to him or some footnotes will say what he has committed to me. Two dual meanings seems to be there. What the old time Bible teachers used to say that if there is a word that seems to give two different meanings and if it doesn't contradict scripture, take it both and have a double blessing. <laughs> Okay, so the question is same thing. Have you committed to him? Can he commit anything to you? It's a big word in the kingdom of God. Commitment. Yes. Okay, did you see? Persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me, which I have committed to him until that time. So both is putting over there. What he gave it to me and I gave it to him. Which is true. You turn with me to John 2 and verse 24. Yeah. Put it here into 24. You went to 25. Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. So he did not commit himself. But at the end, you will see he commits himself. Everything in the hands of 12 people. 120 disciples. In the beginning, he didn't commit himself to anybody. He knew all people. They cannot be trusted. None of them can be trusted. But later, 
when the holy spirit comes he commits the entire kingdom of god agenda on the earth into their hands the question is have we committed our life into his hands can he committed his purpose into our lives that's what i said commitment is not a small word it's a big word committed because we are committed to so many things except christ we are committed to sports <laughs> we are committed to eating not fasting eating that is why we get so upset if we miss a meal <laughs> people who are committed to fasting will not be upset if you miss a meal because fasting is a spiritual exercise eating is a physical exercise fasting is spiritual you cannot see the effects of it eating you immediately feel the effects hmm? are we committed people are committed to sports people are committed to so many things the question is are you committed to christ are you committed to christ is the question because that is a simple thing which we don't understand okay <laughs> there are a lot of things we are trying to change the what without handling the who if you're committed to christ you will be committed to your family if you're committed to christ you will be committed to the work that is given to you if you're committed to christ all the other things follow but if you're not committed to christ we have to break our head on all these other things because you know what the who is not there If you know the who you will know his priorities very clearly. This is what he wants me. This is what he this is what he this is what he this is what. But when the who is not there and it's only theory, you know what? We have to break our heads or you do not know it's ignorance, but when you see it in the word of God you're immediately gung ho about it because you know this who will be pleased because it's an outflow of the person. Are we getting the picture? Our issue is not with the what our issue is with the who and we still really really do not know him i'm not saying one day you know him but we have to grow in the knowledge of this person because that is life what steals from this life or what makes this life not so palatable so interesting is the other life that is being offered because another life that is being offered and that life is trying to steal that but that's what the devil bible says the thief comes to steal to kill to destroy i have come to give you life life in abundance what is that abundant life i know god you look at paul sitting in the prison and you want to ask is it does this man is what abundant life this is but believers who know understand paul's knowledge of god who god is and what god is to him will do anything to exchange to get that life a billion dollars will not buy that life do not buy that life you cannot get that life now 110 years joseph is about to die he's ruled from 30 to 110 780 years of reigning of egypt anywhere to ask him hey, do you have joseph do you have any regrets of those 13 years as a slave and a prisoner do you want to be taken off he will say no way that is when i knew him that is when i knew him he was with me when i was sold as a slave he was with me in prison 
He was with me. Ask Daniel's three friends. Do you want to take that fire out? They will say no. That's when we realized he walked with us. Walked with us. Walked with us. We don't understand the power of who we believe. Why are you committed to your church? Or are you committed to your church? <laughs> why are people not committed to anything? You know why? They do not know who. They do not know who. Okay? Now think about Jesus. He's the one who wrote the word, who gave the law, everything. But the Bible says every Sabbath he was at the synagogue. What did he go to the synagogue for? To learn? To hear a sermon? To pray with them? What did he go to the synagogue for? It has got nothing to do with the what. It was connected with the who. He knew it is his father who would be there. The father who said. So the who mattered. And people don't realize until the who comes, you cannot get really, really people committed to the things of God. You need to know this person. Once you know to the person, it is very easy. Be committed to God, yes. Be committed to your family, yes. Be committed to your church. Everything starts falling into place because you know what? To the who, these things matter. And as long as you do not know whom you have believed, it's only in the head. It has not come to the heart. You still do not know the person. And it's, it will make a, we, literally in English, hell, hell lot of a difference the day you die. If you do not know him, if you are not fully persuaded and you have not committed, in a twinkling of an eye there will be a separation. I am absolutely sure between Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man knew his theology better. He probably memorized scripture better, but Lazarus knew his God. I'm sure the rich man went to synagogue every day and Lazarus was not allowed in. The rich man was brought up memorizing the Torah. He knew the law. When death came in, what mattered is who knew whom. One person probably knew the what because he says, I have five brothers and this thing. And Abraham says they have the Moses and the law and the prophets. And he should have said, but is that what brought me here? I only knew the what. I did not know the who. Okay, So be very, very careful about these things. So are you committed? Are you committed to what God has committed into your hands? Have you committed first yourself to God? And then can God commit something into your hands? Second Timothy 1.14 The good thing which was committed to you why is he writing this? He's writing from, he's an old, old pastor. In prison, in chains, writing to a young, fearful disciple. Like our kind of situation. So many opposing forces. The Roman Empire, the most cruel empire. Fist of iron ruling, trying to crush this new religion called Christianity. And fearful Timothy. And he's saying, you know what Timothy? God committed something into your hands. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You received a gift. <laughs> so God committed a gift. It is like the parable of the talents. He gave you something. What are you doing with it? It's dying. It's the ember stage. Fan it back to flames, Timothy. What's happening? Look at Titus 
but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. What did God commit into Paul's hands? The word and told him, go preach. And he says, you know what? I've been faithful till today. Faithful till today. These are questions we need to ask. Otherwise, no. You may think your gift may be very small. It's irrelevant. The question is not what your gift is, how great or how small a gift matter is who gave it to you. Who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? Is what matters. Are you faithful? Are you committed to what he gave it to you? First, are you committed to him? Are you committed to what he has given to you? Because this is what exchange actually takes place. First, we commit ourselves to God. And then, as we grow in faith, God starts committing him. That's what we are seeing on the other days with Gideon. God doesn't tell him anything to do until he has built an altar. He builds an altar, offers a sacrifice, and calls it Jehovah Shalom. Meaning, I have peace with God. My sins are wiped off. I am justified. Now, I, by faith, I have peace with God. And then we start hearing from God. But the hearing is different. It is not said. It is saying said, but it is a command. Like we say in English, your wish is my, your wish is my command. Your desire is my command. Tell me, Lord, what should I do? One look, eyes are blind. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? It will be told you. Simple thing, go to the city, rent. Rent. We don't hear the same way anymore. Because you have surrendered. You have committed. And when you hear God say something very lightly, Go to your father's house. Take the bull that is seven years old. Break down that altar. Cut down the asher of all. Build a proper altar. Offer that bull as a sacrifice. Though he was afraid, yet he obeyed. He was afraid. He went in the night. Took ten people along with him. But he obeyed. You may be fearful. But you realize, I know who has spoken. I know who has spoken. I know who has spoken. I know him. Alas, I have seen the Lord, I will die. Peace, you will not die. The only thing he said, I hear all you are saying, I only want to be sure it is you who is saying it. Once that is sure, he starts obeying. You may be fearful. You may be afraid. You may be. But do you know why people don't obey? Either they don't know him, or they are not fully persuaded, or they are not committed. So let's look at that one word of this man's. Well, how did this man reach where he is? You know what? And the first one is the most important. It's not whether you are fully persuaded or committed. The first thing is, do you know him? Do you really know him? Like we use this term. What is the panic conversion? Panic conversion never, never, you know, never works. Panic conversion is like a shotgun marriage. It never works. That ma- Very rarely those marriages work. You know, you had an affair, the girl got pregnant, you immediately went and married her and after that is fighting every day. Who is responsible? That's called a shotgun marriage. Did you know each other? Did you meet each other? Did you love each other? Did you exchange your vows and covenant? Nothing. Shotgun marriage. And panic conversion is like that. Oh, COVID has come. I'm not able to breathe. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And you come out and after that it's gone. 
Any conversion. Do you know him? Yeah, I remember when I was in trouble, he saved me. That's not what I told you, asked you. I asked you, do you know him? Do you know him? After some time, that testimony also slowly changes. Like many big guns, they were big once upon a time saying, I no longer believe. The problem is, you never believed. You never believed. You can change your theology. You cannot change a person. You cannot change a person. You can say that about man. I no longer believe in him. I don't belong in him because you have changed. But God does not change. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. God is not a man that he should lie. So you can say that about man. You cannot say that about God. So it is not that you fell away from your faith. Maybe you didn't have it in the first place. You did not. You fell away from faith. You did not fall away from him because you did not know him in the first place. Not fall away in the first place. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. From him. Who called you in the grace of Christ? A different gospel. How can you turn away from him? So make these things sure. Okay, make these things sure. <laughs> because commitment is got to do with trust. Let me ask you this question. Simple question to Indians. Simple, normal, middle class Indians. Why do we put our money in the bank and not under our pillow? <laughs> because we are scared. We trust the bank more than the iron railings in our windows. We know in India, all can come in abroad also it happens. But here also, no, I remember my neighbor next to that office two years back, poor man. His son had got married and downstairs he had gone for his honeymoon and everything in his house. Father came in the morning down the stairs. The second house from on the other side came. Nothing was there, including his gas cylinders and sugar packet. Everything they took. <laughs> they sprayed something from the window. Poor father and mother slept nicely till 10 o'clock or something. The thieves came in. So we had the camera on the LHL building. So the cops came to check it out. And we found exactly 12 o'clock. Auto came, but couldn't find the number. Came. One shift, then came back one hour later. Second shift, came one hour later. Third shift, everything was emptied. Right? But the cameras, those cameras couldn't make out very clearly. So the simple question is, why do we keep our money in the bank? And not under our pillow? Because we trust it's safer in the bank. But supposing it was Charminar Bank, Everybody knows in India what Hyderabad, what happened to Charminar Bank. They heard the bank is crashing. A few banks crashed, remember, in the past few years because of Modi economics. So many banks crashed, no? And what happened? People are all standing in front of the bank to withdraw their money because they have lost their trust in the, in the bank. One by one, a lot of things are going to fail. Okay. Okay. The city never sleeps is what Citibank says. But they are withdrawing from 13 countries. 
India also they are going to shut down. They are going stopping retail banking, only institutional banking. So everybody who thought they could open an account in Citibank, they say we are closing. So can you trust the city that never sleeps? Can you trust? Even if you put your money in the Citibank or any bank, as far I am, as far as I understand, your money is insured only for up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know what it means? That was the old amount. If you have a million dollars in the bank crashes, you get only two fifty back. The other is gone. Insured only two fifty. They don't tell you all these things. They'll give you a nice lounge. They make you sit down, bring you cool drinks and all, and take your money. They don't tell you their bank cannot be trusted. Huh? <laughs> they make you feel so good. And they look in your eye and they lie to you. Sir, your money is safe with us. Next time you go to that office, that guy is no longer, he's taken a shift to some other bank because he doesn't trust the bank. Very worked earlier. Do you see? What can you trust in this world? Whom have you committed your life into? We saw yesterday, cursed is he who trusts in the arm of flesh. Cursed is he who trusts in riches. Cursed is he who trusts in all his wisdom, his knowledge. Learn from the book of Ecclesiastic. It's an eye-opener. Eye-opener. It's an eye-opener. That's why this pandemic in sad way is a good thing. It's an eye-opener. I'm sorry for the people who die in ignorance that the Savior was just a call away. Anyone who calls upon my name will not be put to shame. will be saved. People don't even know that. Know that. It's so simple. So simple. So the question is, are you committed? Are you committed? Are you committed? Do you know where you have entrusted your life? Do you know into whose hands you have given your life? Everybody was listening, even if you here. I don't care even if you have been baptized six times. If you haven't committed your life, committed. Like Naman, for the seventh time, maybe when you come up, you will be cleansed. None of the, don't put your faith in any of these institutional things which are right. What? After the who? I know. Baptized on the eighth day, Pharisee of Pharisees, I was one like that. The only Catholic in a Protestant school. And then, one day I realized, I did not know him. Did not know him. Okay, so don't put to your faith. That's why the question is to us. If if you were to die today, where are you going? You'll get a good funeral. Don't worry about that. I didn't ask you about that. (laughs) That I guarantee. We'll give you a good funeral. That's not the question. The question is, where are you going? Six feet under? Or to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you have that assurance? Do you know him who promised I am the resurrection and the life. That's the key. He did not say, if you do all these things, you shall be resurrected. He said, no, I am. Examine yourself whether you are in the faith. And if you are in the faith, what is the only proof? Christ is in you. Christ Jesus is in you. That's what he's talking. 
Otherwise, we will not know how to react. When things go black, things go, things go out. It may happen to any one of us, any time. Turn with me, First Peter 4.19. Therefore, let us, let those who suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Only those who know Him can do it. What are you going through? Hell. What are you doing? Good. Why? Because I have committed. I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. I have committed my soul. See, the, the world and the enemy can touch only your body. But only you can allow them to touch your soul. So what you need to do is commit your soul into his hands. Lord, I have committed my soul. You know what? I am continue to do good. I will continue to do good. Even as I suffer, I will continue to do good. Why? Because I know to whom I have committed. When Paul is talking about commitment, he's not talking about his body. He's talking about his soul. Body is incarcerated. It's in prison. It's in the dungeon. But he's saying, you know what? Nero with the mighty Roman Empire and all his legions cannot touch my soul. Cannot touch my soul. Soul, I have committed into his hands. And this was his continuous story. That's why we are fascinated, or at least I am fascinated by Paul and Silas singing in prison. After a massive whooping they got, stripped, put to shame, whipped, put in chains, legs locked in the stocks, and thrown into the prison at the midnight hour, they are praising. You know why? Because you know what? My soul is safe. It is well with my soul. You know what? I'm experiencing it. The person is with me. He's with me. It is well with my soul. And if the presence of God is there with you, what can you do but worship? It's a natural response. Natural response. Worship is a natural response. You know? It's a natural response. And we all know, right? Whenever dignitaries and all come, okay? Nobody has to, at least in India, that's our culture. Nobody has to say, we automatically say, yes sir. We say it because we know his holds in high position. Whether you like it or not is irrelevant. Whether you agree with his policies, if Prime Minister Modi were to be here and I don't like his policies, of course I would respect him because he's the Prime Minister of my country. Right? 99% of India's population doesn't know who's the President of India. But if he were to come here, people will stand. They will greet him. You know why? Because that's your natural response to the office he holds. If the presence of God is there, your natural response is worship. Nobody will have to tell you to worship. You will naturally worship. So when he is beaten and thrown into the prison, you know what? He knows in whom he has believed. The presence of God is there, much more suddenly inside the prison than outside. And he, they worship. They worship. And that's what Peter is saying. When you suffer because of good, you know what? According to the will of God, commit their souls, commit your soul to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, who is telling this? Peter is telling this. Now, Peter, where did, Peter, where did you learn all this from? Peter would say, I learned it from Christ. I watched him. I observed him. First Peter, chapter 2, 21 to 23. 21 to 23. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that he should follow his steps. <clears throat> Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. 
who, when he was reviled, did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But what did he do? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. He didn't do anything. You know, when people are able to stand withstand injustice without retaliating, I'm talking about personally. Sometimes you have to, you have to interfere when somebody else who is under your power is being abused. You may have to intervene. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you go through injustice. When are you able to take it? You know why? Because you have committed yourself into the hands of somebody who always judges righteously and you know that nobody will escape him. There is a day set for it. You're committed to his judgment. You're committed to his judgment. And that's what the Bible is talking about. You know? In Psalm 37, <coughs> verses 1 to 6, 37, 1 to 6. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. You can't tell this to people who do not know God. Because they always fret because of evildoers. And they may be part of the evil doing also. They are envious of workers of iniquity. When they say wicked men prosper, they are very envious. Even Asaf was a little envious until he reached the house of God. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. And wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. See, this all got to do with a person. It's all got to do with a person. And our issue is that we do not know the person. Or we don't want to know the person. For, for so many Christians, salvation is only life insurance. It's only life insurance policy. In case of accident, till then, everybody, you know, you take the policy, you put it away. You don't go and look at the policy all the time. Nobody looks at the policy. Nobody frames the policy and says, I have taken a policy for 10 lakhs. If I die, you know, I'm looking at this. You know what? If I die, you won't get anything. Somebody else will get it. <laughs> and for so many people, Jesus is a life insurance policy. If I die, I will go to heaven. Do you know him? I don't know him, but I know the agent who sold the policy. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I said, okay. So he sold you a policy. You don't know the person. On that day, policy will be found invalid. Because of the problem with every policy, you will see that you have to keep on paying the premiums. Recently, one of our sisters who has been passed many, many years ago, she found a policy of her husband. She says, oh, I found a policy, okay. And I said, sister, let me check it out with my contacts. When he checked it, said, it's invalid because he paid only one premium. So many people have paid only one premium. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, one premium. After that, they have never followed up with any premiums. And therefore, on the day of judgment, they will find policy invalid. Suddenly they realize, I was in a much dangerous place than the unbeliever because he could have at the last minute heard and got saved. I did not take a life insurance, I took a death insurance. 
I am now insured for hell. That's why the African told the white missionary, you are, the churches have become places, storehouses for hell. Being filled with people who do not know God. And therefore they have no confidence. They have no confidence. And this entire thing that is happening around the world is not a test for the world. It's a test for us. How do you face it? How do you look at death? How do you look at disease? How do you look at famine? How do you look at destruction? Do you know him? Because people who know him react differently. They are not afraid. I'm not saying they are uh, they are not vulnerable to the consequences of the disease, but they are not afraid. Because they know nothing and I'm fully persuaded that nothing can separate me for the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It cannot separate me. You can be in isolation. You can be everything is sealed. You're put over there. Nobody is there with you. Nobody is allowed in with you. But you know what? They cannot stop Christ. He's with me. He's with me. This is the question God is asking. Do you believe? Do you believe? Let's go to the final one. I am convinced that he is able. You can commit things to different people, but the question is, is he able to guard it? That's why people pay drugs. As soon as you hear this bank is failing, people all stand, take it and put it into another bank. Because what do you say? He is not, this bank is not able. This is my life's earning. They cannot handle. Let me give it to her. Or when you invest in stocks and all, you look at the ratings. Most people do not even know Moody. The only Moody they knew was the Australian cricketer. But when Moody's ratings go down, government shake. Double A rating, one A plus, A plus rating. The ratings go down, India's economy shakes. You know why? That is the fellow who tells you how good your bonds are. Government doesn't raise money from Hava. They have to put bonds. But this fellow says your bonds is no good. What does it mean? You don't have the capacity to repay it. So I put my trust in something or somebody. He should be able to guard it till till that day. Let me ask you this question. Who is that you know who can guard your soul until the day of judgment other than Jesus Christ? He needs to be able. That's why we sing about the ability of God. He's able. He's more than able. Why do we sing these songs? What are the, why do we learn so much about faith? Because we see, wow, nothing is impossible with God. God looks at Sarah and said, Sarah, why did you laugh? I did not laugh. Yes, you laughed. Is anything too difficult for me? She's thinking, I am 90 years old. I cannot bear a child. And God is telling me next year this time, you'll have a child. And she laughed. You know why we laugh? Because we do not know him. We do not know his ability. What are all these miracles there for? It is to show us what he is able to do. For nothing is impossible with God. Zachariah was struck dumb for nine months. While Elizabeth, sorry, Mary was not struck dumb. Both asked the same question, but a different heart. Mary believed. How is that possible? I am a virgin. I have not known man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. She has no clue what he is taking. But he says, I am the Lord's hands maiden. Let it be unto me according to your word. Has ever virgin ever given a birth? No. She's the only one then till today. Only one. She's the only one. Why? God is able. Has a man born blind seen? No. 
But Jesus said, yeah. go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he came back, see. Came back, see. Why are all these things over there? Has the walls, massive walls of a city ever fallen down because people marched around it and shouted? No. Has the ocean parted just because a man lifted a road? No. Why did God do all through weak men? To show us what he is able. Able. That's the reason we study scripture. That is what it means faith comes from hearing and hearing the word. And the name of Jesus Christ in the Bible is word of God. What does it mean? Faith comes from hearing and hearing Jesus. In some of the translation, our regional translation, it is called the word of Christ. It's called the word of Christ. Christo Vajanam. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing the word of Christ. Faith does not come from learning scripture. Faith does not come from memorizing scripture. All this are good. Faith comes from that person. I believe in that person. I believe he is able. He's more than able. He's able to do more than you can think of. With all your money in the one of the worlds, probably the most expensive and the biggest residence in the world is, what is that called? Antilla in Bombay. Mukesh Ambani's residence. 35 stories or something. You know what? It is nothing compared to the mansion God has for his children in heaven. Eyes haven't seen or ears heard. No comparison. He saved See, all these people who believed God, they were willing to suffer loss. Because you know what? He's got something better for me up there. I am not going to compromise. I am not going to go into the pressure of this world. I am not going to bend bow. I will burn rather. Because they all knew. They were fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. You know what? He is able to keep what he has promised. And the greatest thing he has ever done is none of these things. He raised Jesus from the dead. Never happened. Jesus raised, all the others who were raised died. Jesus raised from the dead, living forever and ever. If he's able to do that with Jesus, then even if I die, I do not die. Because that Jesus is in me. It's a person. That is Jesus the first fruit. And after us who fall asleep in Christ. That is my that is my conviction. That should be your conviction. That's our conviction. You know what? If Jesus rose from the dead and is seated on the highest place in heaven, and that Jesus is in me, then I cannot die. Even if you bury me, I will rise. Because he rose. You cannot bury him a second time. And that, that's why Paul is saying, examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself if that resurrected Christ is in you or not. And children, our little children and all were, and big children also, all those who do not know how they are, do how not swimming, what do we do? We put that tube and throw them into the water. Without the tube they go. With the tube they float. The question is, do you have Christ or do you do not have Christ? If you do not have Christ, you go down. If you have Christ, you float. You cannot be killed. You cannot be killed. That's, that's what the Bible is talking about. He's able. He's more than able. He's able. He's more than able. And this confidence should be there. And the entire Psalm 23 is about that. It does not begin with anything. It begins with this statement about the, the Lord is my shepherd. Everything follows that. I shall not want. 
It begins with that statement. You know what? I know in whom I have believed. And this goes through David's life. That's the difference between Saul and David. Saul knew things. Saul did not know the God. But David knew God. And he grew in the knowledge of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because I know I can use my sling. No, he is with me. He's with me. Even in the valley of shadow of death, surrounded by enemies, you know what I know? I know my God and I know this one thing. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm not looking at my situations. I'm looking at him and his promises, what he has said. He's faithful. He's faithful. You know what? This is not a small verse. This sums up a man's life. One of the most incredibly powerfully used men ever by God. This sums up his life. I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced. So the four questions I want to ask you today is, Paul says, I know. The question is, do you? Like I said, the minute you die, it's only one thing that is we ask. Do you know my son? It is either son or sin. If you know the son, sin is taken care of. If you don't know the son, you have to answer for your sin. Do you know him? Imagine all these people who knew the what. They did not know the who. They knew the what. And they did great things. And Jesus says, away from me. I do not know you. What a scary thing, right? They knew the what? They knew the Bible. They knew the promises. They had a ministry. Powerful ministry. But they did not know him. Because he says on that day, I do not know him. I do not know him. Judgment is going. Each time God asks, what about this guy? Jesus says, I know him. Okay, you can go. And everybody he knows. It's a book where your name is written. What is that book of life? I know him, 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 I know him. That's what the book means. I know him. Books are opened. And among that is the book of life. What is the book of life? What is life? This is life. That they know God and they know his son, Jesus Christ. This is life. So there is a book of life. Meaning, those who know God and those God knows. That's the book of life. So this is not a simple thing. This is the most important question you will ever answer in life. Most important questions. The first question is, do you know him? Second question, yes, you know him. Are you fully persuaded? There are a lot of people who know him. Know him in different ways. Not really, really, no. But they're not fully persuaded. And God is okay with him. First you know me and then get convinced. That's why God is so gentle and patient with Gideon. So patient. Okay, go. Go in the night. Got it out. Okay. And then Lord, okay. Father stood up for me. I am not dead. Okay, thank you Lord. Yeah, I will put the fleece out. Okay. Ground wet, fleece dry. Okay. Nothing before God. Faith is a little more strong. Lord, please, tomorrow the other way around. Please wear the ground. Okay. God looks at him. He's truly not persuaded. You know one thing, Gideon, you come here. 
You go with your servant to the enemy's camp. Listen to what they say. When he heard the enemy talk about Gideon and Gideon's God, fully convinced. It's convinced. So God took him through the steps. The question is, are you going through the steps? We are fully convinced. Then you are able to say, you know what? The enemy is there. The world is there. All this opposition is there. I don't need anything. I just need what God tells me to take. Empty pitcher and a trumpet and a flame, a torch. That's all. Who has conquered an enemy with an empty pitcher, a torch and a trumpet? Who has broken a nation down with a rod? Who has killed the enemy with the ox goat? Who has spit left-handed man with an axe has brought a kingdom down? Who has killed a thousand people well with the jawbone of an axe? What is God saying? I am able. It doesn't matter what you have in your hand. Do you believe I am able? And Paul says, I am fully persuaded that he is able. Able. Then suddenly you realize, you know what? It does not matter what I have. It only matters who I have. Who I have. That's the only thing that matters. Okay. So we need to understand the struggles of these people. They are not struggling with powers of darkness. They are not struggling with empires. They struggle like with us. The struggle is how do we move these people? Listening, 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 listening. Taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. Bible study in the morning, Bible study in the evening, Bible study when I go to sleep and then come back. What to eat? What to drink? What to wear? What to drive? Back to square one. And Paul is throwing his hands up, Lord. I'm coming to Galatia after the incredible ministry. He's coming back and says, Ayo, I have to go back through the pangs of church childbirth again. You're getting it? This is the struggle, you know. And that was Moses' struggle. He was so upset. And later, no, he was not allowed to get into the land. And finally, in the end, he says, because of you people. <laughs> he says, because of his people, God was mad with me also. Like he had faith. He believed in him. He walked with God. He, they even had a tent of meeting. Where whenever First, Moses gets in and God comes to meet him. It's not the way in the world. First the king comes and we wait for Hazur, Hazur appointment. We are waiting, waiting, waiting to get an appointment. Ask Pastor Vijay when he had to get his different things, major, major, see, they, wait, 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 and they won't give you an appointment. The higher they go, they won't give you an appointment. They won't give you the time of the day. Here is the other way. Moses gets in, God comes in. You read. As soon as people are all watching, Moses gets in, cloud comes down. God is talking to him. This is the man who knew God. God said, I speak in this way, this way, this way. But this to man, I speak to him face to face. And it, you know what? You know why he was disqualified from entering the promised land? Because the congregation kept him out. <laughs> and towards the end he says, because of you guys. Because of you guys, I lost it. Like I told you, I said close, I told you about this pastor. You have heard it before, so when I say the old timers will understand it. There is a little town where he pastors. He's got a church and there's a railway station. Once a week only a train passes. There are many towns in the US like that. Okay? Not like India. Once a month, a week, a train passes by. Every week he will go sit there to see the train pass. 
One day the railway master, station master asked him, Master, why do you come here to see this? He says, this is the only thing in this town which moves without me pushing. I've been pastoring for this many years and I've been pushing these people. They're not moving anywhere. So I get some relief when I come and sit here. The train move on its own. I don't have to push it. That is Moses. Pushing, pushing. Three, six hundred, thousand people. He is getting food in the morning, water from the rock, footwear is good, clothes are not wet. But you cannot push them one inch towards God. Think about it. Praying for everything, miracles are happening, healing is taking, deliverance is praying, jobs are opening, everything. Are you moving with God? No. That's the key. So you need to understand. But he is sitting there. Everything is gone. Church is gone. Ministry is gone. Death is just a few days away. And you know what he says? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul! Gospel say Camilla. What did he get from preaching the gospel? You mean now? I can give you a list. The beatings, the imprisonments, the starvation. I can give you all that. And even now in chains, in a dungeon. But he says, you know what? I'm not ashamed. I suffer these things because of the gospel. And let me tell you, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. How come you're not ashamed? Where's your church? Abandoned. They're gone. Where are your friends? All gone. Did anybody search for you? Only one fellow after. Everybody, nobody searched for me. One fellow came. If a protest, nobody. And God have mercy on his household. Bless him. Nobody. Aren't you discouraged? He says, no. Are you not ashamed? No. He says, I'm not ashamed. How come you're not ashamed? Because I know whom I have believed. And I'm fully convinced, absolutely persuaded. You know what that? He is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Roman Empire can't do anything. People turning back away from the faith. My co-workers leaving. All this is not going to affect the security of my soul. I know I put it into his hands. It is safe. On that day when my soul appears before the master, Jesus will say, safe, secure, nothing, untouched, pure, it is safe. Until that day. That's the key. So this afternoon, as we pray, here listening, anywhere in the listening, doesn't matter which part of the world you are. Simple question is the first question. It is not what you know. Like in this world, it is not what you know. It is who you know. Simple question. Do you know whom you have believed? Are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded? Especially during this time of disease and death. Please don't die without knowing him. You commit your soul into his hands. He's well able to keep it. Absolutely secure. And if you survive, keep knowing him. Keep knowing him. Grow. That is Peter's all exhortation. Grow in grace, in the knowledge of God. Grow. Keep growing in this knowing God. Keep growing. As you keep growing in your knowledge, your peace will grow. Peace is a person. Your joy will grow. And your worship will change. Your worship will be your life. Because you know, I know in whom I have believed. Let's pray.
Father, this morning, oh, Father, I bring everyone everywhere who are hearing, Lord. <coughs> like we say, Lord, we have said yesterday, it's written for thousands of years. The souls of people who have been martyred for your sake are crying from in heaven under the altar. How long, Lord? And you say, a little while. And you gave them all a white robe to wear and told them, wait. (coughs) Because there are so many down here who still do not know you. They may be unbelievers or they may be who call themselves believers. They go to church. They do all the things that Christianity demands. But they really do not know you. They don't know you. And if there is anyone in this room today, or anywhere else, I pray, let this day not pass. Without them committing their soul into thy hands. It is salvation. It is salvation of our soul. Paul had that assurance. Thousands are dying every day. Without that assurance. And I pray today. Somebody. Can know. Anybody can know. If you repent of your few sins. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God says. You will be saved. The word of God says. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is how you know him. He comes. To live in you. And now suddenly you know him. And the spirit will cause you to call upon him. Abba Father. Call upon Jesus today. Repent. And cast yourself upon him. Anyone he calls upon his name will be saved. The word of God promises on that day. When we stand before God, we will not be put to shame. He will acknowledge us before the angels. But the Bible says, if we are ashamed of Him, He will be ashamed of us that day. And Paul lying in that dungeon, in that filth, in that chains, is able to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Him. And therefore God will declare in heaven, I am not ashamed of you, Paul. I am proud of you. Whole of creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed. The ones of whom God is proud. The ones of whom Jesus is proud, the Bible says, is not ashamed to call them his brethren. Because they were not ashamed of him or the gospel that was committed to them. <coughs> Touch your people today. Touch your people. Help us to turn our eyes away from the world and turn our eyes onto Jesus. Turn our eyes onto Jesus. Oh, the glory of that face. The sweetness of that voice. The strength of that arm. I pray, Lord, your people will experience. We will be able to say, I am persuaded. Nothing, nothing can separate me from that love. He's able. He's more than able. 
I commit your people into thy hands, O Lord. But as Jesus said, no one can pluck us from your hands. Your hands are safe. Your hands are secure. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.